At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke. Presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to it. It is time for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here as always. Oh man, I uh, I'm in quite the bummer mood right now. Still sulking in my sadness about everything that transpired last night. So uh, let me get into it a little bit. And by the way, we've got plenty to discuss here on the show, but I got to start just uh, letting my own therapy session out because that's the beauty of doing the city cast. I could kind of vent out here and I want to do a recap of the turmoil and just the, I don't even know, just the badness of betting for myself and people around me last night. So then we'll get after that to the Cubs game tonight, to the Sox game tonight, talk some Bears and their futures odds, and we'll, of course, preview some NBA and Stanley Cup postseason. But all right, setting the stage a little bit. So if you've been listening to this show, if you've been listening to Rush Hour, you know that we are very heavily invested not only in the Bucs Celtics series just in general, but of course with the Bucs specifically because we wanted the series to go over five and a half games, which ended up coming through. We cashed that bet now. Now that it's tied up to a piece, we're going over five and a half games. So we cashed that minus 167. Cool. Awesome. But, you know, I wanted Milwaukee to win that game personally, and I kind of thought they were going to. Robert Williams was a late scratch for the Celtics. I thought the Bucs needed to win that game. Going back to Boston, assuming Boston is going to win their next home game, being Game 5. Because I wanted Milwaukee to be up 3-1. to one. Boston then wins that next game. Then it goes 3-2. to two, Okay. And then Milwaukee could win in 6 or 7. And then not only do we catch the over 5.5, but we would cash the Bucks to win in 6 or them to win in 7, of course. So I figured... We, as Bucks ticket holders, would have been set up pretty nice. Well, the Bucks didn't just lose. They blew the lead immensely in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was terrible. And that's twice now they've gotten dominated in the fourth quarter. Luckily, they held on in game three. But game four, my goodness. I mean, that was pathetic. And Al Horford, the dude ages like a fine wine. It's actually unbelievable. He's got his mechanical shot, and it's somehow he just nailed. Like, how do you continue to be this productive? 
You can't even get Nikola Vucevic to do half of what he did. And Horford's, what, like 35, 37 years old? My goodness. And he's throwing down dunks. I mean, good for him at the end of the day. Look, that it, it wasn't that bad, right? I mean, so be it. You still got a series. We'll hope the Bucks can pull through and hope maybe Middleton pulls a booker and has a surprise return in the series. And we cash you over five and a half. So look, it is what it is. It wasn't terrible. But then from here and from rush hour, we bet against the Cubbies. Now, it seems uncanny. Granted, the last time that we faded the Cubs, it came through. I don't know why, as of late, the Cubs just have to make it a pain in the ass when I fade them. But every other game, it's just an easy loss. I mean, look, yeah, I, I was talking yesterday on Mother's Day. I faded the Cubs with the Dodgers. But I'm talking about, like, say, when I come on here, or I come on rush hour, and I give it out as an official play. Like, of course, the Cubs just have to be an absolute nightmare for me. It can never be an easy loss fading them. And they didn't even lose, right? I mean, they won. They they dominated the Padres 6-0. The Padres haven't scored in 30 innings, or they've scored in one out of the past 30 innings, excuse me, and it was a walk-off they had two nights ago now. I mean, I talked about Kyle Hendricks, and like, yeah, he'll give you those vintage starts, and that just happened to be one of them, right? Not much you can do. As a Cubs fan, you're happy about it, but you also realize nothing's really going to come of this season. Um, if you back the Padres like me, I'm pissed. I'm ticked off. Like, that stunk. The market was moving very much so towards San Diego. And Mackenzie Gore had been pitching very well until that game where he made the Cubs actually look like an offensive power team. Jeez, so that stunk. That was just bad. I mean, it's awesome to say, say, uh, go out there and hit and same with Contreras. So I can't be mad about that. And Ian Happ, my God. I mean, this guy refuses to do anything if I'm at a Cubs game or betting the Cubs. But the second I fade the Cubbies, this dude is just a maniac. Not that he had an incredible game last night, but he got a two-out RBI that contributed. Wouldn't have made a difference, of course, but you get my point. There's always that type of guy. And Ian Happ, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's got my picture on a dartboard in his room. Jeez, but... Yep, just one of those things. And then to top it all off, folks, you have probably heard me talk about this here on the CityCast, or you have heard me talk about it on Rush Hour. When it comes to basketball, but specifically the NBA, because we really don't bet too much college hoops until March Madness on the program, I always say, hey, I'm willing to lay more for the security Instead of laying a spread because all the uh, all the volatility and all the BS that occurs at the end of basketball games. I've been preaching that for a couple years now and really was hammering it home this season. Well, you know, I'm feeling pretty bummed about the Bucks a little bit. I'm feeling really bummed about the Padres. And I see the Warriors down and we talk about the in-game betting strategy that I did in game three and that we would maybe look forward to doing for game four. However, I didn't know if there was going to be that chance because without John Morant in the game, I didn't know if the odds makers would alter it that drastically, which it took him a while to like six minutes. Then Memphis went as like a three and a half point favorite or something. But at halftime, I'm looking at this game. The Warriors are down three and... I'm like, okay, the Warriors are minus five and a half. You got to think they come alive in the second half, right? So I laid five and a half with the Warriors. They were down three. So they needed to win by six. And they come back, which is great because we have the Warriors minus one and a half on the series spread. And I'm like, ah, well, now I just need them to win, right? Because we need to get that. They can't lose this game. Come on. And they get there, Steph Curry hits his free throws, what, they're up like three, Memphis misses it, they fall, it's like, oh, nice, they're going to win, but I'm like, ah, but, you know, they're not going to cover the five and a half. And, like, I turned away for a second, and whatever, the Memphis misses again, and Andrew Wiggins gets the rebound. The Warriors were up four, I guess, is what it was. And they follow with, like, four seconds to go. I was like, oh, my gosh. He actually, or, excuse me, I think the Warriors were up Five at this point. So he gets the rebound. I'm like, oh my gosh, they found him. I was like, wow, they actually fouled him. Like, let's go. Like, he has a chance to make his free throws, and I could cover this five and a half. And I'm like, ah, you, you know, Andrew Wiggins is like a 70% free throw shooter, and just my luck, I'm like, he's going to miss the first one and probably miss the second one and make me have to sweat it out. Now, lo and behold, Andrew Wiggins knocks them both down. Or no, he knocked the first one down, 
and then he missed the second one. So at that point, the Warriors are up six because he made the first, missed the second. They get the rebound. There's four seconds left. They give it to Dylan Brooks, who, mind you, hasn't made a damn shot the whole freaking game. Chucks up a half-court buzzer beater. Right as he did it, I was like, it's going to go, isn't it? It's going to go. You just, you know what the feeling is. You know, everything just goes against you. In the air, buzzer goes, banks it in. Stab me in the neck, why don't you? Unfreaking believable A meaningless half-court buzzer beater shot from someone who hadn't hit squat the whole damn game. And he banks it in. And they didn't count it originally on the scoreboard at TNT or wherever the hell the game was on, but I was like, that was for sure in. And then they replayed it because they got to at this point. They got to check those things because they have all these partnerships with the books. And it was off by like a second. Easily. Got it. Banked it in. I'm screaming. I mean, come the hell on. (laughs) Like, I couldn't catch a damn break last night. That was terrible. Like I said, I'm always telling you because you don't want to deal with the wonkiness at the end of the games. And look how stupid as hell that was. Half-court buzzer beater, come on. Unbelievable. So that's my bad beat story. I mean, God, just break my arm and I don't even know. Like It just felt like every like a million stabs to the chest. And what made it even worse, not for me per se, but but for some other people, and my friends included, and I was saying it was a bad night for myself and people around me. How about all the Sox fans around me, man? I mean, the diehard Sox fans. I <laughs> That was the worst White Sox loss I have seen personally in my lifetime. Granted, I'm not watching White Sox games religiously, but I asked my friend who's a diehard fan, and he's like, yeah, that's got to be one of the worst in his lifetime. I mean, geez, the White Sox, what did they have, an 8-2 lead, whatever the hell it was? I was, so, and the reason I wasn't um, betting the Warriors game more, because I probably would have got a better number than 5.5, it was a nice night last night, so uh, my girlfriend and I, we went to our rooftop, our apartment, and uh, yeah, we were kind of hanging out, enjoying the weather, and I was streaming the game a little bit, and with the Warriors, and then I just whatever reason, check the baseball score to see more so the Padres game. And I see the White Sox and Guardians, like the White Sox were down 9-8 to eight in extras. I was like, what the hell just happened? Josh Naylor happened. The game of his life. A grand slam to tie it, and then a three-run shot in extras, sending the Guardians to a 12-9 win. This is hilarious for a couple of reasons. One, I've told you that I hated the White Sox growing up. I'm not actively rooting against them, but, you know, the diehard Cubs fan of me and getting bullied by my White Sox friends, like that kind of fan of me is just giggling inside thinking that's hysterical. But it's also hilarious because yesterday I was like, all right, let's finally take the White Sox to win the AL Central minus 110. I think they probably win this game and they should have, but oh my gosh. And they blow it 12 to 9. How do you do that? Kopech had a great start. His best. He's got, what, the lowest ERA in baseball or whatever the hell it is? And Tim Anderson. What the hell's going on with Tim Anderson out there, man? Jeez. It's like he got his powers taken away like in Space Jam. I don't know what the heck that guy's doing. But everybody's freaking out about Shohei Otani. Two home run game. Oh, Grand Slam. That game wasn't even close. Talk about Josh Naylor. Pure electricity. Coming to the dugout. Tossing his helmet, screaming, I want all the smoke. Yeah, man, rightfully so. The dude has no batting gloves and just looks like he's on a beer league softball team. Had a grand slam to tie it in a uh, three-run shot in extras. How the hell are we not talking about this more? They blew, what, a six, five-run lead, whatever the hell it was? I mean, come on. That was one of the most insane comebacks I have seen. The White Sox absolutely crumbled and ended their winning streak and had great momentum with Yohan Mankata coming back into the lineup and Joe Kelly coming in relief and pitching well. And you blew it to a team that already swept you. Unbelievable. I mean, I was watching the game. I I went down and was watching the game with my friend. He was in pure shock. I, like, couldn't believe it. I was, like trying to tell my girlfriend how insane that was because of what he did earlier. Like, we were just mesmerized that that happened. 
And I'm like cracking up, but I was like, that is terrible. So if you had the White Sox in any capacity last night, I feel really bad for you. And I would almost argue that's worse than the half-court shot, but I can't say it is because I got affected by that one and not the White Sox one. And the White Sox still had a chance. It wasn't as, like, lickety-split, boom, your bet lost, like the buzzer beater. But wow. Who'd have thunk it? Josh Naylor. And look, if you had the Guardians, I mean, count your blessings. My goodness. That was insane. So last night was just all over the place. I'm sure at some point you probably had a bad beat because it seemed like everyone did. If you're on the right side of it, again, count your blessings. You did something right. You had good karma coming your way because there was some trash all around last night. I need to put last night in the past. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. And it's not like, you know, we lost our official play with with the Cubbies and the Padres, but just everything else, like getting involved in-game and just all the... (laughs) It was just a historically bad night for myself and people around me, but maybe not historically bad. Again, I'm over-exaggerating, but, you know, again, I got to... This is my therapy session, so I got to let it kind of simmer out here. But that Sox game, man, unbelievable. Josh Naylor might be my new favorite player. The dude is pure electricity. But speaking of the Sox, we might as well get into their game preview tonight. Look, you would think the White Sox would be the team to back in this spot, but I don't even know what the what the attitude in the locker room is after a loss like that. And also on the post game, like you know, Ozzie Gein, like Ozzie Gein's obviously Mr. White Sox. How about you hold your team accountable? They're just brushing it off. No, that was one of the worst losses I've ever seen. Be fired up, be ticked off. That was pathetic. I don't see Steve Stone out there tweeting about how ecstatic he is now. He said that over their last game when they just swept the Red Sox. Yeah, they don't hold him accountable. Come on, fans like to see your actual emotion. You're not giving them squat. That's me being a Cubs fan and being bitter, but come on. They're just acting like it was another loss. Like, yep, that was bad, but, you know, it'll be all right. Like, I mean, it will be all right, I'm sure, but come on. That was terrible. Bad managing, bad everything. Someone hold Tim Anderson accountable. You can't do that to end a winning streak when you're getting players back. That was unfathomable. I don't know. I'd be ticked off if I was a Sox fan. Hold your squad. Hold your squad to higher standards. Come on. I know the Sox fans are livid. You look at the comments on Twitter. I mean, they were lighting it up, but rightfully so. Uh, But do you think Giolito can have this squad bounce back tonight? He has pitched well against Cleveland. He's 3-3 with a 2.00 ERA and 10 starts. He's got 71 strikeouts in 63 innings. So Giolito, furthermore, this season, he's 1-1, one one, coming off that dub against the Cubbies that we cashed in on. But he's got a 3.20 ERA this season, a 3.69 FIP, hard hit percentage of 31%, a little concerning. He's got a solid whip of 1.17, and what's very concerning is his home run to fly ball ratio at 22.2%. Remember, league average is 10%, so he is really in a bad category there. Now, going against Giolito, Cal Quantrill, and Quantrill is 1-1, 3.54 ERA, 3.1% home run fly ball ratio, 4.05 FIP, 30.5% hard hit, 1.21 whip, so Cal's been okay, I guess you could say, right? I don't know if I necessarily trust him. Um, I trust Giolito a little bit more so, but again, at the same time, I just don't know if I trust this White Sox team. I don't know, man. I mean, this is such a tricky game to handicap because the White Sox opened up again. You know, minus 185 is a big favorite. And Cleveland plus 155. And the way the Guardians have played the White Sox, it's really hard to convince someone to lay that steep of a price with the White Sox. Now, if I were to bet the White Sox, I would just do run line plus 114. But now the White Sox minus 186. The Guardians plus 160 at Bet Rivers. If you want to take the run in the hook with the Guardians, it's minus 141. Total open 7.5. We still see it at 7.5. A little bit of juice to the over, minus 120. I actually would maybe entertain the over again. Uh, Giolito, because of his vulnerabilities to giving up a home run, I want to double check what the weather is. And because Quantrill, I just, again, not the 
most faith in him. And, you know, at the same time, maybe as bad of a loss as that was, that wakes up this organization. Doubt it, but who knows. Okay, wind's really blowing in. 25 miles per hour from right to left. It was like 15 in that situation yesterday. But, you know, they went over and then some. But, yeah, um, also something I want to throw out there. I talk about all these different metrics to use to judge a pitcher. And there's one I gloss over but don't state a lot, but it's Sierra. S-I-E-R-A. And at Fangraphs, what that is is Skill Interactive ERA. Now, this is considered the most accurate of the ERA estimators. And you may think, well, why don't you use it all the time? I mean, I gloss at it, and if it's really a big discrepancy, I'll you know keep a mental note. But there's so many other ones I throw out there that I just don't really touch on it verbally. But the reason why I kind of don't use it as much as well is it's more so considered um, – it's it's technically a backward-looking ERA estimator. So it's not going to necessarily tell you what he does next, right? It's more so like, oh, okay, looking back at all the data collection, here's what this pitcher and his ERA, the true indicator of it, should be, okay? So it is ballpark-adjusted. It's the same rating skill as ERA, so 2.21 is Lucas Giolito's Sierra, which is fantastic. Just imagine if he had a 2.21 ERA, same kind of level determiner. Um, it answers the questions what the underlying skill level of this pitcher is and how well they actually pitched over the past year. It does not ignore balls in play like FIP and XFIP do. It explains why certain pitchers are more successful at limiting hits and preventing runs. It tells us the how and the why of pitching. And I wanted to talk about it for this matchup because Giolito has a Sierra of 2.21. Quantrill has a Sierra of 5.43. Big difference there, right? And Quantrill, we know his FIP is higher than Giolito's. The home run to fly ball ratio is concerning on the side of Giolito, but if we can trust maybe Giolito to pitch at his home ballpark a little bit more so against the Guardians team that he has done well against in the past, maybe you can trust Lucas in the spot. But can you trust the defenders? Can you trust the hitting? I don't know what you can trust with the White Sox right now, folks. But hey, do with that information as you will. I'm going to stay the hell away from this game. Because in the one home game, Giolito has pitched, or he's pitched six innings at least. Uh, he's got a 4.50 ERA and a Woba of 434, which is atrocious. So I don't know how you want to attack it. Let me know if you got an angle. I mean, Quantrill has pitched a 0.89 ERA in seven career appearances. Three of them starts against the White Sox while not registering a decision. Quantrill is 17 strikeouts in 20 and a half innings pitched over that span. So both respective pitchers have done well against the opposing team. I don't know why they're making the White Sox such a big favorite again. So that's why it's just a no man's land territory for me. Would only get involved with the total. Maybe would bet the over. Probably not going to end up betting it. But the White Sox are in a unique spot right now. I might as well check really quick. I want to see um, if the AL Central odds moved at all after that historically bad game by the White Sox. Because, of course, that would just be my bad fortune from last night for me to finally take minus 110 and then he get a better number. And eh, no, well, oddly enough, they're minus 134 now. So somehow they moved up 24 cents. But, yeah, shop around. You can still get them, I'm sure, at other books at a way better price. All right, let's get into the Cubbies and the Padres. Uh, the Cubbies, my goodness, you guys just love to screw me over. I'm just playing. I think we're one and two with our Cubs bets this year being against the Cubs. The only time I bet on them, I believe, has been when I have been at the game. And that's when they pulled out Str Well, I've been in multiple games. So I guess the one that I really was like, all right, let's go. It was that Stroman debut and Ross pulled him out early, and the bullpen blew it. Still salty about it. All right, the Cubs beat the Padres last night 6-0. Padres have scored in just one inning out of the past 30. Yes, you heard that correctly. It was the walk-off from two nights ago. Yikes. You thought the Cubs had a poor hitting? Check out the Padres. This game had San Diego open as low as minus 141. Now at Bet River, San Diego once again getting the steam just like yesterday. Didn't matter, but they're up to minus 162. The Cubbies plus 129 at the opener now are plus 140. If you want to take the run and a half with the Cubs, you're laying minus 175. If you want to lay the run in the hook with the Padres, you are getting plus 138 
at this point, if you do want to bet San Diego, I would just do the run line. Total open seven and a half, remains seven and a half. However, the juice is on the under minus 122. And if you want to bet over seven and a half runs, it is plus 104. Very interesting pitching matchup tonight because he got two inexperienced pitchers in the sense of this season. Mike Clevenger coming into his second outing had Tommy John surgery, had his first outing against his former club, the Guardians, and against Cleveland allowed four hits, three earned runs. The Padres won five to four. He went 4.2 innings pitched, racked up four Ks, three walks, had a 5.79 ERA and a 1.50 whip and a FIP of 3.30. I don't really like to look at those kind of numbers. If it's only like one or two games, I more so look at the hits and earn runs and strikeouts and walks. You get the gist. But uh, we know the capabilities of Clevenger. We don't know what to expect still this early from him returning from a significant surgery. Wade Miley. He's going to be making his Cubs debut tonight. The Southpaw last year with the Reds was 12-7, 3.37 ERA, 3.97 FIP, 301 BABIP, 12.6% home run to fly ball ratio, 79.5% left on base percentage, and 1.33 whip. So really, he's been very, very slightly below average in a lot of these categories last season. But for the most part, he was a really solid pitcher. But again, debut on the road against a hungry and desperate Padres team. Who the hell knows what to expect? But Miley did actually do fairly well last year. At San Diego, one game started, went seven innings, allowed just four hits and only two earned runs, racked up five Ks. Padres had a 160 batting average against him. I get it. Different team, different year, but something to keep in the back of your mind because we don't have any other sample size to work off of with the Southpaw Wade Miley making his Cubs debut. Again, the momentum has gone toward the Padres on the money line. Look, I would want to go back and bet the Padres, but I just feel like if I do that, you know, it's going to inevitably lose. And of course, that's terrible thinking as an objective better. <laughs> but, you know, me and just knowing how the Cubs have tortured me throughout my lifetime, whether it's been just being a diehard fan or betting against them as of late, it seems, again, it's incredibly anecdotal. I'm exaggerating. I love to exaggerate. It's really not that bad. But um, I just have that sentiment that Wade Miley would go out there and just throw a gem in his debut. I don't. I didn't see anything with limitations. I assume they're both probably not going to go that deep, so keep that in mind. But if you are looking to play it, I probably would look toward the side of San Diego. I wouldn't want to lay as much as minus 162 in this spot because of the unknown commodities in the starting pitchers. I would rather lay the run and a half with San Diego at plus 138. Now watch this game land on one. That's just classic but you know the biz um but yeah that's that's really all i got for the chicago baseball teams tonight it's just a big fat probably stay away or fade the cubs or do something with the total we'll see how it kind of filters out throughout the day like i always say if i'm gonna play it hey i'll talk about it on rush hour but aside from baseball um before we hit a break here i want to talk a little bit about the chicago bears now Everybody's creating a big fuss because Dan Orlovsky went on ESPN and said that the Bears are going to be, what, like a bottom five team, yada, yada, yada. Look, is he wrong? Who knows? Maybe he's right. I'm not going to get butthurt over it like a lot of people seem to be, but I think that's a good... I actually, you know, I, I'm happy he's saying that, and I'm happy that that is going to be the mantra or really the sentiment displayed upon this Bears team by the national media. Fine. Discredit them. Put them as one of the worst teams. Because that's just going to give us as betters maybe a better opportunity to capture a solid number with them. And before we get into this, look, if you've listened to any city cast during the football season or any of my shows, you know how much I rag on the Bears, probably more so than most people who talk about the Bears on TV or podcast wise. Truthfully, I, I would be, I think you'd be. Hard pressed to find someone who, you know, gets more pissed at the Bears and talks about it publicly than me and holds them accountable. Because I'm just a fan like you and I get pissed off when my team just absolutely blows or our head coach doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Matt Nagy, former head coach. Thankfully, we don't have to deal with that. But this season, because of the schedule and because of the competency that we can assume is being instilled from the GM to the head coach, you got to think Justin Fields is set up for a little bit more success. 
and a big part because of the schedule. Now, we don't know the specifics, but the home games are going to be the Lions, Packers, Vikings, Eagles, Commanders, Bills, 49ers, Dolphins, Texans. So you're getting more home games than away games. And the home games, you get a favorable matchup with the Lions, with the Commanders, with the Dolphins, with the Texans. Now, the Vikings, eh, you might split with them. The Eagles, eh, maybe you could beat the Eagles. The 49ers, who the hell knows what the deal with Trey Lance is going to be. So there's a lot of good opportunities for the Bears at Soldier Field. How about their away games? The Lions, the Packers, the Vikings, the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets, and the Falcons. They get some blessings on the road. Those blessings being the Giants, Jets, and Falcons. And the Lions, of course. Now, this is going to be incredibly bullish, but... If we are, because when I look at win totals, I always designate it in the sense of winnable, losable, and toss-up games. Your losable games. All right, that's going to be the Packers twice. We could put the Vikings twice because I think the Vikings are going to be really good. Um, The Bills, that'll be five losses. The Patriots, that'll be six losses. The Cowboys, that'll be seven losses. But you can absolutely beat the Lions twice, so that's, let's say, two wins. You could beat the Commanders at home, that's three wins. You could beat the Giants on the road, that's four wins. You could beat the Jets on the road, that's five wins. You could beat the Falcons on the road, that's six wins. You could beat the Dolphins at home, but they should be getting better. I'll still give the Bears the advantage, seven wins. And the Texans at home, eight wins. 49ers toss-up. I probably missed some game when I was just going there. But look, um, the toss-up game's actually more so I would probably put the Eagles as a toss-up game. The home game against the Vikings is a toss-up game. The 49ers and the Dolphins are toss-up games. But the win total at Bet Rivers is 6.5 for the Bears, over under minus 110 each way. The wins I see are at least one with the Lions. Again, just going over Texans, Commanders, that's three. Giants, Jets, Falcons, that's six. And could you get one more? Could you maybe beat the Dolphins at home? Could you maybe beat the Eagles, the 49ers, the Lions again, the Vikings once? There's a lot of opportunities for the Bears to at least get seven wins. I get it that they didn't heavily invest in wide receivers. But at this point, like I was kind of talking about at the beginning of last week, maybe they are just investing in their offensive line to give Fields a protection to see what he can make out of having time to think about his decisions and make plays. And then they'll look to attack the wide receiver market when they have the most cap space going into 2023. But that doesn't mean they're going to just tank this year. They invested in their defense in the draft. They invested in a head coach who's defensive-oriented, who can develop those guys into being a sufficient defense. They still have David Montgomery. They still have Herbert, who did really well last season. Can you get your other guys to come through? Can Darnell Mooney even take another step forward? Can Cole Komet finally play like the guy us Bears fans are assuming and hoping he can be? And if the offensive line can give him enough protection, you've got Mooney, who proved himself to be a solid receiver. You've got Byron Pringle, who can light it up with his speed. And obviously, you just got Jones in the draft, who the Bears are highly fond of, and we'll see what they can do with him. There's enough talent, enough. I'm not saying they're going to win the damn Super Bowl. No chance. Saying there's enough talent for them, though, to at least get seven wins, including how poor their schedule is compared to last year. They had a really tough schedule. Now they get a favorable one. So, yeah, I'm probably going to bet over six and a half. I am more bullish on the Bears than a lot of people are. And, again, I'm not sitting here touting them to make the playoffs, but if you do think they are, the yes is plus 285 and the no is minus 375. Now, originally, I was saying that I would entertain the idea of taking the yes because he expanded postseason and then just assuming the competency would be instilled and that they would be better. But the fact that they really didn't invest too much in wide receivers in the offseason, it it doesn't entice me as much, so I'm not going to do that. But the yes is plus 285. Again, the no minus 375 for the Bears to make the playoffs. But I absolutely think betting them over six and a half wins is live. I mean, again, like, unless you think that the Giants, Jets, and the Falcons are better than them, the Falcons are going to be a disaster. No Matt Ryan. The Jets are still the Jets. The Giants, I don't trust Danny Dimes. Although the Giants, I guess it honestly, out of those three, if the Giants beat the Bears, that would not surprise me. The Giants should have a better roster. 
I'm just saying, the opportunities are there. Nobody has faith in Justin Fields right now. The best compliment you're hearing from national media with Fields is that, ah, you don't know. Could be good, could be bad. But that he's set up in a poor position to fail, really. I kind of beg to differ. You could tell these guys really didn't watch Justin Fields and the Bears religiously like we did last year. Justin Fields was still able to have incredible plays despite the worst offensive line, the worst head coach, the worst head play or the worst play calling, excuse me. And again, lack of receivers. I'm not saying the receiver core is better this year, but at least he'll have some time to think and let the receivers run their routes. So yeah, I think the Bears are going to end up better this year than they did last year. The schedule would say so and would lead you to believe that that would be the case, at least for me. So I'm not making any rash decisions right now, but I do think we should strongly consider betting the Bears over six and a half wins. We've got plenty of time, and it'll change maybe a little bit once the official schedules get released. But keep your eye on it. It's okay to think the Bears can get over their win total. In years past, I'd probably tell you hell no. But maybe we could trust Getze. Maybe we can trust Eberflus. Maybe we can now assume Justin Fields can start to blossom. It's only year two. He's still stuck with kind of a crap roster. Let's be honest, that is true. But I just think it's getting a lot more knocked down than it should be. I would rather have him, even though we haven't seen anything, I would rather have him with this roster, this coaching staff, this season, than what they had last year. 10 times out of 10. Nagy is a big reason why players get held back. And I think you will see the stardom start to come to fruition for our guy, Justin Fields. So I just wanted to spend some time talking about that because I was discussing it on one of my other shows, Bet on Chicago, on WLS 890 AM here in the Windy City, 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time, uh, Saturday evenings. And I was like, you know what, I got to bring this up on the CityCast because uh, I kind of thought the win total, I think it should be like 7 or 7.5. Seven, 7 with maybe, no, 7 with the minus 110. And if it's 7.5, you could throw a little juice to the under. That wouldn't, that wouldn't shock me. But 6.5 seems like a good number to attack. Everybody's easy and... Or everybody thinks it's easy to just assume the Bears are going to stink. And look, again, I'm not saying they're going to be a great team. But the schedule gives them an opportunity to get on the right path. We know this isn't their year to make moves. It's going to be a learning year for the new staff. Hopefully progression for Justin Fields. And then the next offseason, they can pounce. They can get some big name guys. And then we could talk about them competing for the division competing for the playoffs, probably still too premature for a Super Bowl realistically. But again, it's all about getting on that right path and hopefully Ryan Poles and company can get them in that direction. All right, brief break here on the CityCast. Coming next, we'll visit tonight's Stanley Cup postseason games. Same with the NBA. I'll give you my thoughts here on the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every single Tuesday during the entire regular season. You can use it on straight bets, player props, or a same game parlay. You decide. Log on to the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. All right, let's kick off part two of this Tuesday edition of the CityCast, talking some NBA playoffs, the Heat and the Sixers, game five in Miami. We see the Heat as a three and a half point home favorite. Some shops had them down to three because the Heat opened three in the hook and then it dropped to three, but Bet Rivers has them three and a half. Money line minus 152. The Sixers catching plus 128, and the total we are seeing at 209. 
Did the Heat finally figure it out with Joel Embiid on the Sixers now? Well, I sure as hell hope they do because we're sweating out the Heat for the series. We're sweating out the Heat on the minus one and a half series spread as well. This is a tricky game. I, you know, if I, again, and I talk about just having like prior investments, if I wasn't already invested in Miami with the series bets, I would probably be all over the heat in this game. And you would think of it as a zigzag type of theory being implemented here. But I mean, also you got, I mean, the way the heat shot the other night was so bad. It's, it is scaring me from really trusting him here. But this would be your typical bounce-back game from the Heat, getting the crowd behind them. The favorite team that's kind of had a struggling past couple of games. Suns are falling into the same category. Series tied 2-2. They're back home, except they're laying six against the Mavericks. I trust the Suns more than I trust the Heat right now. Because they have more dominant offensive guys. Like Jimmy Butler dropping a 40-piece is huge, but you need more help. If Tyler Hero ain't uh, scoring, what the hell are we doing? The Suns, you got Booker, you got Aiton, you got Chris Paul, you got Cameron Johnson, you got Jake Crow. I mean, you got a lot of options there. But by the way, really quick, complete side note, we talked about the Bucks minus 177. Big flip again. We talk about, you know, having it in your mind what's going to happen. Celtics now minus $2. The Bucks plus 163. Hilarious how much it switches. So there are opportunities to be had, folks. The Heat are now minus 155 on the series. The Sixers plus 127. The Suns are minus 250. The Mavericks are 2-1. to one. This Suns and Mavericks series, this could present some opportunities, actually. The Suns to win in 6 is plus 145. The Suns to win in 7 is plus 180. You know, I do think the Suns probably win in 6, but plus 145 isn't necessarily worth it. If you're someone who doesn't mind laying a price, the minus 250 on Phoenix, I mean, I wouldn't say that's a bad bet per se because I think they should still be like minus 315 personally. Even though the Mavericks look great, again, home court advantage, Phoenix should figure it out. The Heat, I'm not too certain on them. And I was did not have the same thoughts last week. But that's how that's how drastically things can alter. I mean, realistically, yes, the Heat are the better team and they should win. I kind of need to see them prove it to me, though. You know? I need to see them come alive out of the gates, start hitting their damn three-point shots. Not every shot needs to be a three. Attention, the NBA, the Warriors, the Heat. Not every shot, Milwaukee, I mean, not every shot has to be a three. Not Milwaukee as much because he got Giannis. But seriously, I mean, it's okay to get mid-range shots. It's okay to go to the bucket. You don't have to chuck up threes. Even if you're down three, you don't have to. It's infuriating sometimes, especially when you keep missing them. If you're making them, sure, go nuts. But take it the hell easy when you're missing them left and right. Get some other strategy implemented. But Miami, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. You know I'm not laying the spread, that's for sure. <laughs> after what we endured last night and after what I've been preaching all year, I'm going to wait to see where this line moves for Miami. Like, I get it. I mean, you know, if they go up to four, that gives you a little bit more hope in this team, but then you're not going to get a really, I don't know, uh, feasible number to lay, I guess I would say. So that's kind of the thing. I mean, again, look, if if you are kind of unknown such as myself and you want to bet Miami, probably wait in game. You'll get a better number at some point. It's tricky, though. You know, I'm going to talk with Ryan Rothstein, host of the Philadelphia City Cast on Rush Hour tonight. And because if, if this were the Bulls here, right, you can kind of really get a good idea of the rhythm of your team. And I compare Philly fans and Chicago fans because they're all pessimistic and complain about their teams even when relatively they're doing solid. But, like, even though Philly won two games, I feel like Ryan would vouch that, like, he would feel that he could absolutely see Philly getting blown out here. Like, oh, you finally get the momentum and beads back. You kind of capture some good stuff in this series. And then you go to Miami and they just embarrass you and put you back in your place. Like, that's something that could absolutely happen. But Embiid has brought a different dynamic to the game. So it's really, really tricky. I don't know what I'm going to do in it, folks. I mean, I got to get into it a little bit deeper. Maybe look at some props. But let me know what you're betting at Danny Burke 5. Suns and Mavericks, the market's been going toward Phoenix. I think they opened as low as 5 and now they're at 6. 
total for this game's 215. I, there's a lot of just narrative and, you know, I had so many things happening with Luca and Chris Paul. And, man, there's just so many insane storylines kind of occurring. Phoenix will find a way. The home crowd will help them out. Again, don't want to lay the six. Would probably wait in-game, but this one, I feel like you'll have a good opportunity with props as well. So I'll talk about those, like I said, more on Rush Hour. Uh, no thoughts on the total for this game. I think Phoenix finds a way. Maybe you can get a better number, maybe not, but I think Phoenix will win. The Heat and the Sixers, Miami should win. Will they win? Who the hell knows at this point? Because I really don't. If Miami can hit their threes, they'll win. Simple as that. And Bede's going to do his thing. You know it. You'll probably limit Harden because they don't have the home crowd behind him and he'll just go back to what he's been doing lately. But can Miami get their role players to come through? Maybe they won't have as many bad calls because South Beach will be on their side. I don't know, man. But yeah, slight lean to Miami, but definitely more of a lean to Phoenix figuring it out as opposed to Miami. What about in hockey tonight? By the way... How about the Pittsburgh Penguins? We told you, you know, if you like them because of how these games have gone, just go with the puck line. They won what, like 7-3 uh, to three again or whatever the hell it was. They were plus 225 on the puck line. How about it? At this point, again, you know, if you don't want to lay the price or if it's even and you want good value, just look at the puck line. More often than not, it's been coming through. 7-2. Shesterkin, he's in shambles. Let's go Penguins, baby. They lead it 3-1 uh, in the series now. Panthers won in overtime, so there's a game that fell on one. Uh, the Avalanche still managed to cover the puck line, even though they were down 3-2, to two, I think, in the third. Flames won 4-1 in a much-needed game. Panthers needed that in their much-needed uh, game, and obviously the Avalanche swept. For tonight, you got the Bruins and Hurricanes. Series tied two apiece. Then you got the Lightning and Maple Leafs also tied two apiece. How the hell do you handicap that one? <laughs> Toronto at home, I guess he'll lean toward the Maple Leafs, but crap, I don't know. Blues and Wild, tied two apiece. Minnesota at home. Kings and Oilers, tied two apiece. Edmonton now at home. Like we always say, check out vsin.com, vsin.com. Get Andy McNeil's write-ups, all things hockey, and you can get the betting splits for these games and just look at the NHL odds, where they open and where they've moved to. For example... Uh, Carolina, open minus 135, total opened at 6. You've seen the market go a little bit toward the Hurricanes. At Bat River specifically, though, you've definitely seen movement. They're up to minus 148 is Carolina. Further along, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Maple Leafs, minus 120 at the opener, total at 6.5. Minus 129 at Bat Rivers, total still at 6.5, but the over is minus 125. Some spots have... Toronto as high as minus 130 and above. M minus 140 I'm seeing out in Vegas. Minnesota, St. Louis, the Wild, minus 133 at the opener. They're minus 148 at Bet Rivers. Total at 6.5. It opened there, but it was shaded to the under. Now it's shaded to the over. Or, yeah, a little bit to the over. So some movement to the over, but a lot of movement toward the Wild. I'd have to say I agree. Edmonton, Los Angeles. The Oilers open minus $2, total open 6 in the hook, still at 6 in the hook. And the Oilers at minus 200 at the opener, now they're minus 220. The home team's getting a lot of love in the slate of games tonight. I would probably lean toward the Hurricanes and the Wild is my top two plays. I mean, again, you know, I don't know, I mean, because I was kind of trash in the Maple Leafs, so inside I'm like low-key rooting for the Lightning. I don't know how the hell you bet that game. It would be Toronto or nothing for me, but I'm going to stay away because it's just a circus right now. But I probably might end up having a play on the Wild and or the Hurricanes tonight. The Oilers are intriguing as well, I'm not going to lie, but that series is a little bit tough too. Just by the <laughs> just by the way these games have gone down, like I get it's tied up at two apiece. But like what? You know, the Kings won 4-3. Then they lost 6-0. Then they lost 8-2. Then they won 4-0. Like, I, it's just kind of all over the place. So I don't have a good enough read on it. But like I said, I more I, I think I'll probably end up betting the Hurricanes and or the Wild. Boston, yeah, they had two great games at home. 
Carolina's going to be ready to rock back in the mix. Now, they're still missing their starting goalie, Frederick Anderson. Ronta's still tending the pipes. He's been okay. The Bruins are going to miss Charlie McAvoy, though, because of COVID, so that's going to be a big loss. And then also, as I'm just kind of scathing Twitter right now, uh, speaking of Andy McNeil, VEASAN's NHL expert, give him a follow on Twitter, at Digital Gambler, and his write-ups, VEASAN.com. But, um, so he quote-tweeted this one tweet that's saying, not only no McAvoy, but no Lindholm. And then he quote tweeted it saying, I don't make the rules, but if I did, Carolina should be eliminated from the playoffs if they can't win game five. So two big misses for this Boston team. I don't know. Take that as you will, but I'm probably going to be betting the Hurricanes. So um, look for the best number out there. Minus 148, minus 150 seems to be about the range it's in. But that's what I would consider. And hey, if you don't want to lay that much, again, Puck line plus 170 with Carolina. So we'll probably end up playing the Hurricanes. I'll just say I'm playing the Hurricanes there. My official play, the Carolina Hurricanes. Very much considering the Minnesota Wild. We will kind of wait a little bit to see what that one comes to. Nothing with the Oilers and Kings and Lightning and Maple Leafs. How could you? I mean, though that series has been even more unpredictable. It's fun, though. But I don't want to invest my money in it or rip my hair out even more than I already have. So, yeah, uh, count me in on the Hurricanes and a maybe on the Wild. NBA-wise, maybe I'll have some props. We'll see. But, folks, like I say, I'm sorry if I don't give you some of these bets out now because I do the show really early. And, yeah, sometimes you get the best number that way. But I also like in these just high-intensity games to get a better feel for who's going to play, where the market's moving, all these type of things. Like Lowry's out now for the Heat I just saw. But, yeah, so I'm going to let it filter out a little bit, and I will put that on Danny's Dimes on Rush Hour, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, if I'm playing it. Or, again, subscribe to VEASAN, VSIN.com. You can get the best bets log page. I put all my official plays in there, just like every other show host and guest, along with 24-7 content all across the board. That's going to do it for another edition of the CityCast, the Chicago CityCast at that. But thank you all for tuning in and listening to my misery at the beginning of the program. Sorry if it started out depressing, but we're looking to bounce back. That's the beauty of sports betting. You could have an off night. You could have some bad beats, but you can get back on the saddle and attack it once again the very next day. And that's what we're looking to do. So thank you for tuning in. Always appreciate it. Best of luck with your plays and take care, folks.